Good morning. Let's start with refuge. I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in the Sangha. I want to say a little bit about refuge since I think there's enough people here who that might not be a familiar term. Um, or at least taking refuge in the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha isn't something that you do every day like we do here. So what is the Buddha when we're talking about taking refuge? And this is relevant for those of you who are transitioning out of here. So whether you're ending the Ango period or just this past weekend, um, refuge, home. So taking refuge, finding home. Finding home in the Buddha is finding home in this mind, the mind of awareness. Some people have talked about touching the mind of spaciousness. Can you feel that now? And taking refuge in the Dharma. Dharma can mean truth, so knowing our own truth. And also honoring the truths that we've touched through this practice. Honoring those truths, those deep truths that we know and cannot explain, but we can live, live from, live in accord with. And taking refuge in the Sangha, the heart, connection, the heart of love, that sees another human being, really sees another human being, or sees all things, really sees. That unconditional love that's sourcing through us, that we have the ability to touch and live from. I wanna share a Zen story, we call them koans. Story is powerful because it touches human experience, the universal human experience as told through somebody else's practice life, somebody else's spiritual life, spiritual journey. And this one is about master, Zen masters, Wigong. I like to change the genders of the masters sometimes, so. Master Zwigong is a woman in this koan today. Every day, Master Zwigong would call out to herself, Oh, Master! Hello! <laughs> and then she would answer herself, Yes! Then she would ask, Are you awake? Are you present? Are you aware? How would you answer that right now? Are you present? Are you awake? Are you here? Really here? And when I ask that, where do you look? How do you know? How do you answer a question like that?
I kind of had a, a, uh, an image of Janine calling out how she looked <laughs> or where she looked. <laughs> Are you awake? <laughs> and she says, yes, yes, I am. How would you answer that question? How would you answer that question? And then she would say to herself, never be deceived by others any day, any time. Never be deceived by others any day, any time. And then she would answer herself, no, I will not. So this is something that we can take with us, a simple question. How many times throughout the day can we ask ourselves this simple question, are you present? Are you awake? Are you aware? And this is, I mean, it sounds simple, sounds maybe kind of dumb, but to notice that when we're caught in thought, when we're caught in judgment, when we're reacting and we become aware, the moment we become aware, we're no longer that self that's identified with the judgment, the negativity, the criticism. That, that moment of becoming aware, we take a step back. And that step back is the place of freedom. It can be a small step sometimes, right? It's like, oh, I kind of see that I'm not my judgmental thought. But that moment, that step, step of freedom. The moment we become aware, another way of saying it is, the moment we become aware, there is space. So many of you probably recognize through meditation this weekend, and those of you who have been meditating a long time, that we contain many voices, many selves. Sometimes use that word, selves. So there's one who is critical. There's one who is angry. There's one who is joyful. There's one who is a pleaser. You know, thousands, millions. And we all do. We all contain these voices, these selves, and maybe are identified with a different you know, some of them are more dominant than others, but yet we contain them all. And they're universal, and yet in our, uh, our expression, they can take on a personal tone. They can be really involved with our personal lives. So that's where the power of identity comes from. And awareness gives us a space. There is one who is aware. We can get to know that part familiarize ourselves with that part. And that's what meditation is doing, is familiarizing ourselves with awareness through attention, through taking that step back. So there are four aspects of practice that stem from awareness that we can do anytime, anywhere. So I feel like this is a good way to, to send you forward or to go forward, to you know, remember, touch in with, well, how can I practice in this situation, in this situation, in this situation? Because we're in a rarefied environment right now. 
right? Doing eight hours of meditation yesterday in this container of silence. And this particular arrangement allows us to really focus and hone in and know certain truths and touch certain truths that it might be difficult to see in the busyness of our daily lives. And yet they're always there. So once we know the truth, like I said before, once we know it, it's in us. Sotan said it's like our shadow. It's coming with us everywhere. And once we have an access point, we can keep practicing opening that and taking refuge. So today, the four aspects of practice form the acronym CLAP. So you can just remember. And the first one is connect. So awareness allows us to connect to the present moment, to present moment experience. And when connected to present moment experience, awareness grows. So when we're attending to the breath, you can do that right now, find, feel the breath, however you experience it. That moment that you connect to the breath, body and mind are connected. The mind's aware and it's aware of the breath. Body and mind are one. And so we're connected to the breath. Body and mind are one. And then we're awake through the senses. So just notice that you can open your awareness and be aware through the senses. Seeing, smelling, feeling the whole body. And then we can open to space. So open your mind to the space within the body. Perhaps even the space within the mind. Is there space between thoughts? And then the space in this room. And space in all directions, above the body, below, deep into the earth. To the left, to the right, front, back, 360 degrees. We can open to space, and then we can also open to the objects, the people in space, opening to our surroundings, all through connection. We're aware and we're connected. From here, we can really connect with others and the world, our world, whatever our world is, in this moment. It's true, and Chosen was uh, talking this morning, that connection is what we most crave. Intimacy is what we most crave. And it's through awareness that we can really come into connection. Second L, the L of clap. Listen, listen and look. So this is awareness allows us to actually listen 
to what is going on in our own minds. It also allows us to actually listen to others. But to look at what's actually going on in our own minds, we also call this inquiry. Looking at noticing, becoming aware of the thoughts that we're putting onto reality. Byron Katie says, believing onto reality, believing onto others, believing onto ourselves. There's someone during the retreat who recognized that they were having jealous feelings towards others. And the beautiful aspect of that is they also realized, oh, that's coming from a deep insecurity, feeling of not good enough, lack. Zuigan says, do not be deceived by others. Who are these others? The voices in our own heads. Could be pretty deceiving, huh? And this, this aspect of looking and listening, we can catch that. We can catch those deceiving thoughts that we're believing onto reality or onto ourselves that are causing suffering, causing separation, causing turmoil. Who are these others? Also the beliefs and conditionings that we inherit, inherit from parents, from culture, from society. The beliefs that we're swimming in that might be unconscious can come to the surface or we can get hints of them through awareness, through stillness practice. It's one I've been particularly aware of recently is the scarcity mind, feeling of there's not enough. And I think big in our culture is there's not enough time or, or stuff or money. And that piggybacks on I'm not enough. Those go together. I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not kind enough. You know, could take spiritual practice. I'm not kind enough. I'm not generous enough. I'm not aware enough. And this process that I'm talking about, this process of looking and listening, is an unveiling. It's seeing the underlying beliefs, thoughts, and emotions that are generated from these underlying beliefs that we often just take as true. We often don't see them and we're operating more on the surface level, but sometimes we get this clear view of something that we're believing. And just in that seeing, it takes away the power. It, it undoes a coil. Like Things can be all like tangled up in this belief and then we start to see through it and suddenly, maybe not suddenly, but slowly, it unwinds or we just can't trust it in the same way. It's exposed. Exposes the whole mechanism. This work is the hard work of spiritual practice. This is not necessarily pleasant. There can be some feeling of release that happens, but also it can feel really grating. This aspect of look, listen is inquiry or vipassana. It's beyond mindfulness and calm. 
Like the stillness gives us the ability to hold the mind still to actually see what's going on. But this is the place that transformation can happen. Really fundamental transformation. Because those thoughts no longer have the same kind of pull, the same kind of control over our lives, over our minds, over our hearts, over our relationships. That's pretty amazing. Third part of CLAP is acceptance and appreciation. So awareness allows, awareness allows for radical acceptance. To feel our lives deeply. Isn't that what we crave? To really experience life deeply. To be touched deeply by the beauty of a sunset, a sunrise, a, a human face, someone's words. And awareness leads to appreciation. Appreciation that's genuine comes from our attention. How many people this weekend, or if you weren't here this weekend, during your practice life, have come to appreciate the breath? Even just a little bit? (laughs) Or some aspect of present moment experience? Just by paying attention. Even things that we don't like, that we're usually averse to, this is the one that's so interesting. Even things that we're averse to and we're like, oh, I don't want to feel that in my body. If we actually come at it with curiosity and attention, it can be interesting. It can be really, it's not something you can explain to your family. Like, oh yeah, I was feeling this heartache. So intimate. Oh, I so appreciate it. But yeah. I fell in love with a urinal once. <laughs> it was like one of my first jobs here was cleaning the urinals. So w- one thing we could take with us through this is um, when the mind complains or judges something, find three things that you appreciate about it. So this morning I woke up and I had a cough. And my mind was like, what can I do to get rid of this as soon as possible? And then my mind started thinking, where did it come from? Well, I was on an airplane and maybe somebody was sick on the airplane. So maybe this is actually a sickness. Uh, And then I started to complain and then I started to feel bad for myself. (laughs) And um, thinking about the future, like, oh, maybe I'll be sick all weekend. And And then I turned my mind to appreciation. And like all those thoughts were just, I mean, They were all superficial thoughts that I was just letting play out. And um, turning towards appreciation, I actually felt the the tenderness in my lungs and in my heart and this kind of raspy feeling that was a little pleasurable. And I felt connected to my heart, which to live out of that connection is really a place of compassion. So I felt myself actually like, connected to others through that experience. Just all turning towards appreciation. So appreciation can widen the view. 
And it doesn't mean that I won't take medicine, but my response to the, the sickness, to, use, to continue with this example, is coming now from compassion and not from aversion, which maybe I would have taken a lot of medicine or done the things that I thought were good because I was trying to get rid of something. Now I've accepted it and I'm feeling it and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna care for you, darling. Fourth, fourth part of clap is practice. Coming back to practice. Practice and I also wanna add play. So awareness allows us to practice to respond skillfully to what is arising. So we've talked about a number of the practices that we did during this retreat, but I also want to mention metta or loving kindness, which I think sometimes we can overlook. A lot of energy can go towards trying to concentrate the mind or find stillness. But loving kindness is what we live from. And I know a lot of people who practice for a long time who are jerks. Don't be one of them. This is about compassion. <laughs> this is about compassion. The whole, the whole foundation of the spiritual life is about compassion. So loving kindness um, can be practiced through the, uh, the phrases. So replacing a negative self-talk with loving words, like, may I be at ease? May I be gentle with myself? Or when you notice that you're having a judgmental thought towards somebody else, sending loving kindness. May you be at ease. May you know true peace. May you be free from fear. Usually when someone is being a jerk, they're afraid. So when you feel scared or nervous around somebody who's you're judging for whatever reason, probably what they need most is loving kindness. And the beautiful thing about loving kindness practice is even if we're practicing for ourselves, which is really important, really important, because we often neglect ourselves. We're generating love. We're touching into unconditional love, actually. And love is love. And so we have more access to love, which means it's naturally going to extend to others. They call uh, loving kindness and compassion and sympathetic joy boundless qualities of the heart. It's because they don't have a bounds. They don't have a location. So if I'm practicing loving kindness for this being, I'm practicing it for all beings. And I just want to mention play because it's, it takes a lot of creativity to weave together a life of practice. We're going against the stream of a lot of things in society, of busyness, of self-obsession, of scarcity mentality. And so it takes creativity. And the more likelihood that you will practice is if you're enjoying it, if you let yourself enjoy it. And it's also, practice is kind of, it's like secret. 
So I could be practicing loving kindness right now and you don't even know. I can be filling my heart or filling my awareness, um, letting my awareness fill this room and just being in the spacious mind in a meeting, in a board meeting, at the computer. I can be practicing loving kindness as I walk down the sidewalk or in the lunch line or at a restaurant or in a shopping mall. It's just the inclination of the mind. And we have control over that. So we can do that in any situation. Just to want to reiterate that please honor, again, please honor the truths that you touched this weekend. Let them imprint you deeply and continue to open from there. Another thing that can happen when we leave is we can doubt the truths that we touch because they're not affirmed in society. So that's why it's important to have spiritual friends, to have connection with community, other people who recognize compassion, who want to live a life of compassion, who recognize mindfulness and want to change, want to transform their hearts. Every day, Zwigan asks herself, are you in? Are you present? And every day she answers herself, yes. Yes, I am. So you could take up the practice of talking to yourself. <laughs> Just asking that simple question, letting it open the space of the mind. I'll close with a poem by another female mystic, La Dead. It's called I Lala, which is what she referred to herself um, as. Very sweet nickname for herself. Some run away from home, some escape the hermitage. No orchard bears fruit for the barren mind. Day and night, count the rosary of your breath and stay put wherever you are. Hermit or householder, same difference. If you've dissolved your desires in the river of time, you will see that the sacred is everywhere and is perfect. As you know, so shall you be. Some who have closed their eyes are wide awake. Some who look out at the world are fast asleep. Some who bathe in sacred pools remain dirty. Some are at home in the world, but keep their hands clean. Please be at home in the world. Be at home in your own mind. Know that refuge. Then you can go anywhere.